This is MJ. I'm a writer, artist, and podcaster, and this is my fully operational analysis of The Mandalorian Chapter 8, which is called Redemption. So this is Season 1, Episode 8. It's called Redemption, like I said. It was directed by Teka Waititi, who played IG-11, or did the voice of IG-11 at any rate, and it was written by one John Favreau. So, I have to say, I like this episode. It was very good. Lots of fun action. Lots of interesting things happen in it. We get to see Mando's face. We get to see the death of the, the, um, uh, the blowing up, the self-destruction of IG-11 that we were promised in the uh, first episode. Uh, kind of bookends in that way. And we get to see uh, Mando flying with his jetpack, which is pretty awesome, or the Rising Phoenix, as the Mandalorians call it. So that was super, super interesting. Uh, I have a quibble with the episode, and it's going to be that. Uh, and it's actually a quibble with the series altogether. I dislike the reveal that the Mandalorian is a foundling to his new buds, Grieve and, uh, and I want to keep calling her Kara, but that's not her name. The Drop Trooper. <laughs> um, Shock Trooper, Drop Trooper, whatever her name is. Kara, Kara, yeah. Um, which, uh, it was interesting. I think, um, <laughs> uh, when Moff Gideon was flexing, he used everybody's full names, and I think her name is, uh, Kara Synth which is pretty cool. And she's from uh, freaking Alderaan, man. That's that's super awesome. I really like that detail. Uh, I love when we get to meet Alderanians who aren't Leia. And uh, I just always think it's fun. I, anyway, I'm, I'm kind of geeky over Alderaan, but you can hear about that another time. Anyway, I, uh, I really, uh, like I said, I really enjoyed this episode, but I, I disliked the reveal and I disliked the uh, interspersing or the doling out that's doling out, uh, of the Mando's backstory where he was a foundling taken in. Uh, the only thing I liked about it was just cause I felt like it was unnecessary. It was unnecessary and it was contrived. Aren't all stories contrived? Isn't all media? Yes. Yes. Everything's contrived, but this was especially contrived to me because it just felt like it kind of messed with the pacing and didn't really add much to it. There was the mystique in the first episode. I think we get to see some Beskar being, um, smelted and, and forged in the first episode. It could have just been this. No, it was the first episode because there was, there were no women in the Mandalorian episode one, except for the woman who plays a huge role in the Mandalorian society. Anyway. Um, so we got that flashback and I just wish it had been, why not show the entire thing, bump up the, the runtime of the episode a few minutes and show the entire thing up into him being in, uh, carried off by a death watch person. It was a big reveal, probably, for uh, Clone Wars fans. Um, I don't know who else it was a big reveal for. It wasn't a mystery. It wouldn't have ruined anything to see that he was taken in by Death Watch. And then, you know, the the, the history of Mandalore is murky. Uh, according to uh, Mr. So-and-so, uh, the old guy, um, the Mandalorians revolted, or I guess Gideon talked about it, the, the Night of a Thousand Tears, which that's super awesome. I really like the little glimpses we get of Mandalorian culture, like how they name things and, and what things uh, impact them and like the, the kinds of, um, not inflection points, but like waypoints that they have uh, in their history and in the narrative of their people. And uh, anyway, when he mentioned that, that, that seemed pretty interesting, but they reinforced what uh, Werner Herzog's character said, that the... Um, 
the Mandalorians fought against the Empire. They resisted the Empire. And, I mean, they had super troopers and rebels, so I don't know how hard they fought. Maybe they fought at the beginning, but Rebels, of course, takes place, uh, you know, 15 years or so after um, after Revenge of the Sith. So it's very possible that by, by that it is very possible that by that time they had already quelled the Mandalorian Rebellion and brought the Mandalorians to heal through uh, the Mandalorian Purge. Um, but, you know, that's just details I don't have. I'd love to see more of that story at some point. Um, anyway, uh, it just, it didn't do anything for me. And it, in fact, it kind of took away that, oh, so we've, as an, we as an audience have learned this throughout the series, the people don't know him. Like, uh, he spent, you know, three or four weeks with Kara and he's been working with Grief Karga for a while, and and I don't know that it added anything to have them. You were a foundling, just like this thing's a foundling to you. Like really? Like who cares? Um, I didn't really get an emotional impact from them. Um, finding out that he, you know, was an orphan and taken in by the Mandalorians as well. What I got, what I got, that was a big deal to me. Um, was all the interaction with uh, the armorer. And I wanted to be called the Forger. I think Forger sounds so much cooler. Although maybe it's because it has a connotation of being fake because, you know, forging documents or whatever. But anyway, I think the Forger is just like, it's a great name. Anyway, uh, by her, her fight scene, by the way, with the those stormtroopers was just awesome. Anyway, um, but yeah, her doling out more information to him and just like enforcing like, look, this is the way. This is how uh, it is spelled out. And it, it interests me because of my religious studies, like there's... Uh, there is the way there's halacha. There's the, there's the, there's, you know, what the Bible says. And then there's what uh, people who study the Bible say the Bible says, or what they've interpreted from it in saying like, this is our sacred text. And, uh, it has holes in it, or it has, it's like a skeleton. And we build upon that skeleton to say like, because this is what it says here, because Jacob's Jacob was touched by the angel when they were wrestling and it dislocated his socket, uh, his hip socket, um, we don't eat filet mignon because there's a nerve that runs through the sciatic nerve runs through there. And that's what was inflamed or whatever and hurt when the angel touched him before, uh, you know, it let him go. And, and, or even at that point he didn't let it go. But anyway, um, so like the way is derived from things that have happened in the, the culture of your people in the past of your people and stories have been built up around those things and those inform what you do. But there are people who are part of a people and who don't know the history necessarily, don't know all the intricate details. And then there are those who, know a lot of it because they work with it every day. Like, um, there's, there was a reference made to like the craftsmanship of, uh, the armorer's work. And, uh, I would think that along with forging the armor and the weapons that the, uh, armorer also, uh, is told stories and that these stories carry meaning with them. Like why else is it called the rising Phoenix? Well, maybe in Mandalore's history, there was an actual Phoenix that they used, uh, maybe they hunted it to extinction. Um, maybe it was killed by an enemy because it made them so effective. And then they made their own Phoenix and it was the rising Phoenix because it will help them rise above the limitations that their enemy put on them. So anyway, there are stories that exist within cultures to teach lessons and to pass histories down and things like that. And I just think it's interesting that along with those stories, there's practical things. It's like, okay, because these things happen in this story, we do things this way. Like there has to be a reason for the way and why uh, you know, they don't reveal their, their faces on, you know, after they've sworn the oath or whatever it was called, um, you know, of the way of the Mandalorian or whatever. Um, but anyway, that was like, that's what really got me seeing the full revelation that there was a, you know, super battle droid 
I think that's what they're called, that was trying to kill him. And then uh, Mando came in with Death Watch and then, you know, killed it and then took him away and, you know, took him in. And, um, like, <laughs> it doesn't really do anything for me. Uh, what one thing it tells me, and it w wouldn't have made a difference if it told me that in the beginning of the series or the end of the series, is that perhaps this sect of the way, which is funny because that's actually like a, a religious designation uh, for, uh, you know, Jesus followers, um, the, uh, like the early Nazarene believers, I'll call them that, um, because of my particular <laughs> religious uh, outlook on life, um, any or interpretations, I guess you could say. Uh, anyway, um, so it's very possible that these Mandalorians that uh, Din was raised by were an outgrowth of, or were what, perhaps what was left of Death Watch. And that's interesting. You know, they're more traditional, more militant uh, Mandalorians. Uh, those Death Watch, though, took off their helmets all the time. Um, I don't know if it counts that, like, Pre Vizsla was a... Um, was a like double agent sort of he was in the uh ordinary society but then he was also you know uh all being, being you know death watch guy in uh you know off on on concord dawn or whatever the moon is called anyway um concordia is that what it is i, I don't remember it's been a long time since i've seen those episodes but anyway um i don't know if you're allowed to do that if that is part of the way or not um but regardless it's interesting um so like i don't know like I said, I enjoyed all the stuff. IG-11 sacrificing himself was wonderful. It was very emotional. I love how Mando didn't want him to do it, or Din didn't want him to do it. And, like, that's all super interesting. I, I love the growth and the development that's happened between the two of them, you know, over the... I mean, really, it was just last episode and this episode. Um, but it felt like a lot. Um, and, I don't know. Just IG-11 was charming, making jokes. Uh, you know, like, I'm an asteroid. I can tell you are sad. I'm monitoring your voice. And then, like, the joke about his head and stuff. Uh, like, that was all fun. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's another thing that has good stuff, but I just wanted to highlight those gripes because yeah, it's good. It's good. It's, good. it's been good for eight episodes. Um, but I just wanted to point out and kind of ask questions about like, why were these certain things done that don't really make sense to me? And, uh, I'm pointing them out because they don't have an emotional impact on me and it doesn't really fit to me to have those there. So anyway, that's uh, pretty much all I have to say. Check out mgmunios.com slash F-O for my fully operational analysis of a bunch of Star Wars stuff. Uh, there's some Star Wars books there. There's uh, The Clone Wars Season 7. And there's other stuff you'll be able to find the rest of my uh, analysis of Mando uh, Season 1. And then Season 2 is... Uh, I'm going to start on that pretty much uh, right away. So uh, it should be a flood of Mando for a little while. And then I'll go back to other stuff. So um, I'm looking forward to Claudia Gray's book. Um, I'm going to be covering the High Republic stuff, so you can check that out. Anyway, uh, you can also just check out the rest of mgmunios.com. Like I said, I'm a writer, I'm an artist, I'm a podcaster, so you'll find lots of stuff. I talk about tokusatsu and um, comics and other things that you can enjoy, and that I enjoy, and that's why I talk about them, because they're fun. Uh, but that's all I have to say, so until next time, take care, folks.